The Sixth Mansion, Chapter 8 of The Interior Castle by St. Teresa of Avila. This is a Discerning Hearts recording read by Chris McGregor. The Interior Castle, or the Mansions, by St. Teresa of Avila. Translated by the Benedictines of Stanbrook. To prove to you more clearly, sisters, the truth of what I have been saying, and to show that the more the soul advances, the closer does this good Jesus bear a company, it would be well for me to tell you how, when he so chooses, it cannot withdraw from his presence. This is clearly shown by the manners and ways in which his majesty communicates himself to us, manifesting his love by wonderful apparitions and visions which, if he is pleased to aid me, I will describe to you so that you may not be alarmed if any of these favors are granted you. We ought, even if we do not receive them ourselves, to praise him fervently for thus communing with creatures, seeing how sovereign are his majesty and power. For example, a person who is in no way expecting such a favor, nor has ever imagined herself worthy of receiving it, is conscious that Jesus Christ stands by her side although she sees him neither with the eyes of the body nor of the soul. This is called an intellectual vision. I cannot tell why. I knew a person to whom God granted both this grace and others I shall describe later on. At first it distressed her, for she could not understand it. She could see nothing, yet so convinced did she feel that Jesus Christ was thus in some way manifesting himself that she could not doubt that it was some kind of vision, whether it came from God or no. Its powerful effects were a strong argument that it was from him. Still, she was alarmed, never having heard of an intellectual vision, nor was she aware that such a thing could be. She, however, felt certain of our Lord's presence, and he spoke to her several times in a way that I described. Before she had received this favor, she had heard words spoken, but never known who uttered them. She was frightened by this vision, which, unlike an imaginary one, does not pass away quickly, but lasts for several days, and even sometimes for more than a year. She went, in a state of great anxiety, to her confessor, who asked her how, if she saw nothing, she knew that our Lord was near her, and bade her describe his appearance. She said that she was unable to do so, nor could she see his face, nor tell them more than she had already done, but that she was sure it was the fact that it was he who spoke to her, and it was no trick of her imagination. Although people constantly cautioned her against this vision, as a rule, she found it impossible to disbelieve it, especially when she heard the words, It is I, be not afraid. The effect of this speech was so powerful that for the time being she could not doubt its truth. She felt much encouraged and rejoiced at being in such good company, seeing that this favor greatly helped her to a constant recollection of God and an extreme care not to displease in any way him who seemed ever by her side watching her. Whenever she desired to speak to his majesty in prayer or even at other times, He seemed so close that he could not fail to hear her, though he did not speak to her whenever she wished, but unexpectedly, when necessity arose. She was conscious of his being at her right hand, although not in the way we know an ordinary person to be beside us, but in a more subtle manner, 
which cannot be described. Yet this presence is quite as evident and certain, and indeed far more so than the ordinary presence of other people about which we may be deceived. Not so in this, for it brings with it graces and spiritual effects which could not come from melancholia. Nor could the devil thus fill the soul with peace, with a constant desire to please God, and such utter contempt for all that does not lead to him. As time went on, my friend recognized that this was no work of the evil one, as our Lord showed her more and more clearly. However, I know that she often felt great alarm and was at times overcome with confusion, being unable to account for so high a favor having been granted her. She and I were so very intimate that I knew all that passed in her soul, hence my account is thoroughly true and reliable. This favor brings with it an overwhelming sense of self-abasement and humility. The reverse would be the case if it came from Satan. It is evidently divine. No human effort could produce such feelings, nor could anyone suppose that such profit came from herself, but must needs recognize it as a gift from the hand of God. Although I believe some of the former favors are more sublime, yet this brings with it a special knowledge of God. A most tender love for Him results from being constantly in His company, while the desires of devoting one's whole being to His service are more fervent than hitherto described. The conscience is greatly purified by the knowledge of His perpetual and near presence, for although we know that God sees all we do, yet nature inclines us to grow careless and forgetful of it. This is impossible here, since our Lord makes the soul conscious that he is close at hand, thus preparing it to receive other graces mentioned by constantly making acts of love to him whom it sees or feels at its side. In short, the benefits caused by this grace prove how great and how valuable it is. The soul thanks our Lord for bestowing it on one unworthy of it, but who would refuse to exchange it for any earthly riches or delight. When our Lord chooses to withdraw his presence, the soul in its loneliness makes every possible effort to induce him to return. This avails but little, for this grace comes at his will and not by our endeavors. At times we may enjoy the company of some saint, which also brings us great profit. You will ask me, if we see no one, how can we know whether it is Christ or his most glorious mother or a saint? Such a person cannot answer this question, nor how she distinguishes them. But the fact remains undoubted. It seems easy to recognize our Lord when he speaks. But it is surprising how the soul can, without hearing a word from him, recognize which saint has been sent by God to be its companion and helper. There are other spiritual matters which cannot be explained. Our inability to grasp them should teach us how incapable is our nature of understanding the sublime mysteries of God. Those on whom these favors are bestowed should marvel at and praise God's mercy for them, as these particular graces are not granted to everybody. Anyone who receives them should esteem them highly and strive to serve God more zealously since he has given her such special aid. 
Therefore, such a person does not rate herself more highly on this account, but rather thinks she serves him less than anyone else in the world, feeling herself to be under greater obligations to him than others. Any fault she commits pierces her to the heart, as indeed it ought under the circumstances. When the effects described are felt, any of you whom our Lord leads by this way may be certain that it is neither deception nor fancy in her case. I believe it to be impossible for the devil to produce an illusion lasting so long. Neither could he benefit the soul so remarkably, nor cause such interior peace. It is not his custom, nor, if he would, could such an evil creature bring about so much good. The soul would soon be clouded by self-esteem and the idea that it was better than others. The mind's continual keeping in the presence of God and the concentration on its thoughts on him would so enrage the fiend, even though he might try the experiment once, he would not often repeat it. God is too faithful to permit him so much power over one whose sole endeavor is to please his majesty and to lay down her life for his honor and glory. He would soon unmask the demon's artifices. I contend, as I always shall, that if the soul reaps the effects described from these divine graces, although God may withdraw these special favors, his majesty will turn all things to its advantage. Even should he permit the devil to deceive it at any time, the evil spirit will only reap his own confusion. Therefore, as I told you, daughters, none of you who are led by this way need feel alarm. Fear is good, and we should be cautious and not overconfident, for if such favors made you careless, it would prove they were not from God, as they did not leave the results I described. It would be well, at first, to tell your case, under the seal of confession, to a thoroughly qualified theologian, for that is the source whence we must obtain light or to some highly spiritual person. If your confessor is not very spiritual, a good theologian would be preferable. Best of all, one who unites both qualities. Do not be disturbed if he calls it mere fancy. If it is, it can neither harm nor benefit your soul much. Recommend yourself to the Divine Majesty and beg him not to allow you to be misled. It would be worse should he tell you the devil is deceiving you although no learned man would say so if he sees the effects described. Even should your adviser say this, I know that the same Lord who is beside you will comfort and reassure you, and will go to your counselor and give him light that he may impart it to you. If the director, though given to prayer, has been led by God in this way, he will at once take fright and condemn it. Therefore, I advise you to choose a qualified theologian, and if possible, one who is also spiritual. The prioress ought to allow for this. For although she may feel sure that you are safe from delusion because you lead a good life, yet she is bound to permit you to consult someone for your mutual security. When you have conferred with these persons, be at peace. Trouble yourself no more about the matter. For sometimes, when there is no cause for fear, the demon gives rise to such immoderate scruples that the person cannot be satisfied with consulting her confessor only once on the subject, especially if he is inexperienced and timid, or if he bids her consult him again. 
Thus, that which should have been kept secretly private becomes public. Such a person is persecuted and tormented and finds that what she believed to be her own secret has become public property. Hence she suffers many troubles which may even devolve upon the order in such times as these. Consequently, I warn all prioresses that great caution is required in such matters. Also, they must not think a nun more virtuous than the rest, because such favors are shown her. Our Lord guides everyone in the way he knows to be best. This grace, if made good use of, prepares one receiving it to become a great servant of God. But sometimes our Lord bestows it on the weakest souls. Therefore, in itself, it is neither to be esteemed nor condemned. We must look to the virtues. She, who is most mortified, humbled, and single-minded in serving God, is the most holy. However, we can never feel very certain about such matters until the true judge rewards each one according to his merits. Then we shall be surprised to find how very different his judgment from that of this world. May he be ever praised. Amen.